0: All right everybody welcome to navigating the intentional life this is the podcast about masculine excellence it's about fortitude and resolve this is the podcast about men leading from the front and I am your host Justin Copeland founder and I gotta tell you guys we're changing it up today on this podcast I could not be more excited about who I have on today because she is a woman with more acronyms to her name than the United States military. She has an NASM CPT, a BCS, CNC, CES, and she is just a badass. The person I'm speaking about is Dominic Barnett. Dominic, how are you?
1: I'm wonderful today. Thank you so much. I'm excited. We're finally doing this.
0: Absolutely. So first (laughs) and foremost, you were the first female on the navigating the intentional life podcast. So I'm going to have to put in like that sound effect with people clapping in the background. Right. Cause I have been stoked for this for about a month. Cause as you said, we finally getting to do this. It's taken us about a month at least to set this down. So I'm glad to and have more. you. There. Absolutely. So I want to get right into it because here's the thing. When I bring people on, I typically ask, you know, Hey guys, like give me some background information, right? Because, people I have, they're set, they're established. And the people that follow them see the success that they have, whether it's somebody that's in the fitness industry, whether it's somebody that's in public speaking, whatever the case may be, you're seeing the polished product. And so what I want is the background because ideally when people start to listen to this, if they're in that stage in their life where they're going, I want to start, but I don't know how. Or maybe they have that mindset of it was easier for somebody else. They've already got it. It's like, no, no, no. Here's the foundation. So I asked people for those, you know, I think there's like three to five moments. Like, what yeah. were those moments that defined your your life where you said, I'm gonna take a different approach? Yeah. Um, most of the time, and maybe it's because it, it's 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 guys, maybe it's just you know the people that I've that on, I love them all, but they give me a very brief rundown. Dominic, you on the other hand you wrote me this beautiful like list put together of exactly what was going on from a breakdown from early 20s to to where we're at now and i gotta tell you like i loved it like i was reading it and i wanted to have more you know what i mean like like, let's keep this going so i appreciate you for that and i'm excited for people to get to hear your story uh that said dominic tell us you know especially for those of, of my listeners that may not know you introduce yourself tell them a little bit about you
1: Okay. Well, I think it's awesome that out of all the women that you know, like you decided to choose me. I mean, I'm like, we haven't ever officially met met. Have we like person wise? No. I mean, that's so funny that, you know, social media connects you with people like that. And then you get to do um, things like this, right? Absolutely. But so cool about social media is it really truly does connect you with people. So, um, little bit about me. So I'm 32 and I was born in Virginia, but I was raised in a small town in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Um, So growing up there, I feel like, especially like back, I mean, I don't want to like date myself, but I guess I kind of did because I said I was 32, but I feel like I (laughs) did. I feel like I had great experiences like as a child. And I feel like if i could take away one thing from my childhood is that i was truly always working to achieve something like there was always that athletic spirit in me and i think that that encompassed like there was a lot of discipline that was in me there was a lot of drive there was a lot of like internal motivation um just from a young age um very competitive and so I think that that truly has stayed with me since growing up. Um, I, I was involved in tons of sports growing up, um, excelled in gymnastics, dance, um, did, you know, like the high school pom, and then moved into, when I went to college, I ended up going to a school here in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Oral Roberts University. It's a private college. And um, it shared a lot of values that I still hold in my life. Um, And anybody who knows Oral Roberts might laugh a little bit about, you know, what they know about it. And we all do because it's just that type of school where you're like, it's not your typical college experience. But um, the people that I met there were amazing. um, And that is, I don't take for granted any of the people that I ever connected with there. And so anyways, I danced there for one year. And I think that out of all those years in college, it was my favorite just because I was doing what I genuinely loved to do. And um, I remember graduating from there and not really sure what I wanted to do with my degree. It was a bachelor's of uh, science, health exercise science. And so um, I knew I've always loved fitness, health. It was very natural to me. Again, like that's what I did growing up. And so um, I just wasn't sure what avenue to take with that. But I did still love dance. And right around the time that I graduated, we had our very first professional basketball team here in Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I I was a huge Boston Celtics fan. So my mom's from Boston and I always like thought, oh one day like I'm gonna dance for the Celtics. It was just like this idea.
0: That already already says volumes about your mother that she's a that she's a Celtic fan. I myself am a Red Sox fan was always always a new england guy from a young age yeah you know i will say to kind of back you up a little bit because i do know a little bit being from the same small town you know everybody kind of runs into everybody yes you have a very strong family core that's something that shows in your in in your social media for anybody that that's there it's something that you guys are very proud of and Mm -hmm. take very seriously and i wanted to kind of back you up to your parents because you are on the other side of a statistic, and that your parents are still together. Correct?
1: They are, yeah.
0: Right. So, you know, I think that's a huge example for you moving forward. And you have a, you have two sisters, correct? Right. Okay. So you've got a this tight family core. When it comes to you, kind of touched on it. You said you're competitive, right? You're always motivated with fitness,
1: right? How much of
0: that really stemmed from? the environment that your parents created, that your dad and your mom created?
1: I would say my parents were very supportive and never in um, infringed or inhibited me from trying things, which I love that you asked that because we were by no means wealthy growing up. In fact, my grandparents were the ones that, thank God, paid for so many things that I did. And being that we have four children, Me included in the family i don't know if you can't remember if you mentioned a brother but i do have a brother Um, we had to honestly rely on for a good part of uh my childhood my grandparents to pay for things and so honestly i'm so thankful for strong uh like the strong family but also my grandparents who willingly said yes absolutely put her in that or let her try this or we will pay for that if you guys cannot afford that um and my parents though they did everything they could to not have to rely necessarily on my grandparents. So my parents sacrificed a lot just for me. I feel like, like, yeah. oh my gosh, it wasn't, it was very expensive to do some of the things that I did.
0: Yeah. I, I got to experience a little bit of that. Very, very small tip of that iceberg. My mom actually, at one point, my high school year, my, I say my high school year, my junior senior, year, of my high school was involved with cheer. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is a lot of work that's put into it. There's a lot. Oh gosh, and cut nowadays,
1: there's like... Cutthroat
0: cut throat as could be, yeah. um, very competitive and very expensive. Okay. And, you know, the point that I really wanted to make on that to what you're saying, because, you know, what I like about you is you're very much a person that wears their heart on their sleeve.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And And I want to kind of contribute that to the fact that, you know, what you've even shared a little mm-hmm. bit is two parents that are doing everything that they can to make it work for their family. And as a man speaking on that in and of itself, that takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of courage. A lot of the guys that I talk to, a lot of the circle that I run in, I mean, as a man, you want to be that. Your provider is a big word. There's a big definition behind that. Sometimes that means like, yeah, you're out there and every guy wants to do the big sexy of like, I'm the the Viking, I'm the, the guy that's bringing it all in, all by myself. Right. That's not really the world that we live in and to be a provider. That also means you have to understand when you need to ask for help and when you need to lean, whether it's on your spouse or whether it's on your parents to make sure that it works for your family. That says a lot about the man that your dad is. And that says a lot about the support that he had from your mom, his, his wife. Right. That's huge. And so I, I think unfolding that a bit for you, you clearly see, see and saw those sacrifices, maybe not right away. But I think, you know, you could probably unpack a bit how that shaped your mentality as you moved through your young teens and into college, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think honestly, again my grandparents helped with a lot of things but my parents instilled a work ethic in me from a young age i mean my first job was i I was probably barely 13 years old and my dad was driving me to a donut shop (laughs) to work on saturdays um, just to make a little money i mean we had an allowance (laughs) that was given to us but if we wanted any extra money like we had to put work in you know so my parents drove us and started that out you know at an early age and My grandparents so graciously like created kind of a college fund that required um, us to work in college and anything that we made, they would match that amount. But a lot of times that money was just going back to pay for my education. Um, It was not cheap to go to a private college. And so while there were tons of friends on the weekends, like going to do certain things or during the week, I was like, I have to work. I have to work. I have to work but at the end of the day and when i look back right now like having zero college debt and it only took a couple years after college to have that paid off again my grandparents helped with that but i worked very hard in college to be able to have what i had and do what i could um but again my it was a a work ethic that we didn't have any other option i feel like you know
0: i love that because what I hear from that, honestly, Dominic, is early on you were instilled with this: no other option other than you're going to put the work in. Right. Like, yes, you may get help, but that help has to be matched.
1: Exactly. And as, a parent,
0: as a parent, as a dad, I mean, that's a conversation that I I have to have continuously with my two young my two young boys, is that nothing is going to be given to you. Right. You have to earn it at every step of the process. But I think a lot of parents drop the ball there. And clearly you have this tribe around you that first and foremost, they're showing you humility, right? They're showing you a humbleness that otherwise we may miss out on and and, or learn later in life, if at all. Right. Like you you
1: can have a sense of entitlement or something like that.
0: And so you take that humility. And I think that's the bedrock of then being able to go, like you've already said, I'm very competitive about mm-hmm. so, uh, being competitive is, is putting the work in. Right? right. Right. So, Tell me a bit about how that dynamic was with your siblings, through your parents and that foundation of humility, that really pushed that go get it side of you, that competitive side of you that bled into dance, fitness, and probably just being the biggest badass that you can be in every turn in life, right? Because I look, as a competitive person, don't get me wrong, you know that you compete in every aspect. It doesn't matter what it is. You're gonna compete if you're just hanging out with the friends or whatever. So tell me a bit about how you feel that really molded you and your competitive
1: drive. Like how my experience growing up in the household that I did with my parents um, yeah. and what they did. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it's kind of an interesting thing to pose. That's an interesting question to pose. But um, maybe this would make sense. Like having, you know, siblings, um, I think there's can be a sense of like sibling rivalry, but not like in a bad way. It's like you see, like I, I looked up to my sister um, for her intelligence. Like she was just naturally, she's like my dad, just super smart. Mm-hmm. Um, Gets the grades, all of that. That was a little bit harder for me to achieve, but because I saw her always excelling, like in her AP classes or something, I was like, I've got to be that way too, because that makes my parents like, my parents look at her and they're like, oh, wonderful, you know? And so it would make me want to be that same way too. Um, and then, you know, with all of us kids as well, doing athletics, you know, whether, whatever sport it would be, um, I mean, my parents, you know, they loved us no matter what. But, like, they they loved to see us win. But they also supported us in the moments that we didn't say win or we had our down moments. They, like, they wouldn't let up. They wouldn't let me quit. Um, they, they were drivers, and they had such great belief in us. Um, and it's so funny that you're asking me these things because I think that – Unless you sit here and like look back at it, you don't really realize how much your parents really do have such an influence on who you are. Just them wanting to be a part of your life. Um, Sometimes allowing you to call the shots and then you have to like learn from them. Because, I mean, I still look back sometimes at decisions that I made growing up, you know, in high school and think, man, what if I would have done this? or What if my parents would have pushed me even harder to stay in something? Where would I have been? But... At the same time, like they they were giving me that like room to be autonomous, but also at the same time say, "Hey, this could be good for you to stay and do this, or to, you know, whatever it is." Like, um, but they were really they um, commended you on on your work ethic, and I always just wanted to be. what's the word like appreciated or acknowledged for effort. Like I'm big on affirmations. So if my parents, I just want to say it was like sometimes to a detriment to like please them, but like I was bent on that. Like performance, I guess.
0: For sure. Yeah. And it's a fun question because, you know, for me, you know, I look back a lot on my, my upbringing. I have a younger brother. That's it. But, the drive for me was exactly kind of what you're getting into and what you've been saying is, as a child growing up, I don't care what age, like it never really stops, right? Right. A Thirty-nine year old man, I still, you know, want my dad to approve. And yeah. As as a young man, um, and so that never really goes away. But for me, it was a driving force of being the oldest one. I wanted to lead a path, mm-hmm. right? As the oldest, as the oldest child, I was kind of forced into a leadership role. So. It's always interesting to me the dynamics for someone that comes up in a household that has several siblings, right? Or a bigger family.
1: Yeah. And And I think it's interesting that you said you were the older one because I think the older child always does feel that sense of like they need to lead the pack. And then the baby child is like their mindset is a little bit different because they're just watching everything. But the middle children, like my brother and I, were like, we're we're seeing, you know, the older one, but we're also still wanting to make our own path too. Um so we kind of follow in the footsteps, but we don't necessarily want to follow in the footsteps because <laughs> we want to be our own too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And see, I love painting this picture because for people that don't know you, I mean, again, this is such a, a bedrock to everything that you that we'll get into and how that kind of shapes who we are because you know, I think you and I can easily say that we were very blessed growing up. Um, My parents are no longer together, but they were together through all of my high school.
1: Yeah, i you know,
0: actually left that that went a different direction. And so, you know, I can honestly say that my childhood was fantastic and that work ethic, the drive for competition, you know, it was instilled at a very early age.
1: Yeah. And
0: I think a lot of parents, I think a lot of people um whether you have kids or not you miss the fact that these early stages are so huge for how you're going to see and and adapt and take in the world as it comes to you as you're getting into adulthood so moving from that you have mentioned dance already yeah Uh, obviously obviously a big portion of your life something that you're very passionate about um, I also like to dance, but, um, it looks like I'm having a seizure when I do it. So <laughs> I try to save people from it, but you started high school, you went to Oral Roberts, which I had a lot of friends that went there too. It's a Christian school, right? So, yeah. um, have some, I have some interesting stories I'll tell you about offline. But,
1: uh, <laughs> I have a lot of those too.
0: Yeah. So that said, you went from there. What was the next step? After all Roberts, because this is where life really starts to take off and oh, yeah. you can what you did. But I want I want people to hear how you got to it. So,
1: yeah, that's what I was kind of segueing into. So I, I think right after I graduated, you know, it's your first time to really step out into the real world. And you're like, okay, what do I want to do? Like I was saying, I didn't really have an idea. But what I ended up doing was the catalyst for everything that I began to do. So I had this little dream in my heart, like I said, to dance for an NBA team. And Oklahoma City Thunder had just been brought to um, Oklahoma City. So I – decided to go out for the team after one full year of being out of college because I've thought about doing it straight out of uh, college and I just was like no I want to take a little time off so anyways decided to and the crazy thing about this whole experience too is like (laughs) I'll just try to make this quick here I almost missed that audition like I I drove up to Oklahoma City it was on a Saturday morning ready to take on this competition had no idea what was in store went to the wrong facility and had 20 minutes to get to the audition until it began and so i mean i jetted over there we're standing out on you know a little practice court and they were like has anybody not had their, t- their picture taken and there's like a sea of like a hundred girls or more and i was like i just put my hand up i was like i haven't taken my picture yet And they're like hurry up go take your picture so i ran over did and then the you know competition uh the audition began and so anyways Went, I made it through that and then I made it through finals and I I will never forget like hearing my name called to be on this team. I mean, I, it was my first year to audition. Um, truly blown away because there were people that had been trying out since year one that were still trying to make the team. So I feel like this must have been part of my destiny. I just think of it like that. Like there's, It, it was like a pinch me every time I was in practice. I was like, I cannot believe I'm actually on this squad. Like. So that, I ended up dancing for the Oklahoma City Thunder for two years, and it was one of the, I can tell you, like, one of the things that shaped me most, even besides college. Like, college was a, nothing compared to Oklahoma City Thunder. The amount of discipline, the true amount of time management that you had to have, I mean, you you cared about what you were doing so much that you didn't dare slip up, bless you, be, you know, benched from a game suspended i mean there were so many things It, it oh, it's funny because i feel like it's almost like you were a part of like the military in a sense you were just you were the face of this organization and and they counted on you i mean you were a part of a team of 20 girls and so you carried you carried like you know the spirit of that team on you <clears throat> no matter where you went you know right. and uh so for two years i did that and i eventually felt like after that two years just it was time for me to move on and it was very sad to leave very hard decision but I had my eyes set on another uh, dance team outside of Oklahoma I I just kind of felt like I was ready to leave so I ventured out after a year of coming back to Tulsa and working my butt off to save and I'm gonna tell you like working like multiple jobs saving everything there wasn't really zero time that I was out hanging out with friends or doing anything. And when that year came around for that audition in Miami, Florida, um, I drove out there, I closed up my apartment even sooner than when I was supposed to. I mean, it was like the first time I, this was bigger than thunder in this moment because it was a new squad and it was a new place, a place I was, I you know, have like never lived in before. So I went down that summer, um, was going to their audition workshops and getting ready. Um, but the thing that really started to sink in was a lot of, I hate saying this, but like, there's a lot of stress and anxiety that's on you when you're a professional dancer, just like a professional sports, a professional sports player. I mean, like <clears throat> Simone Biles recently just kind of talked about like mental health and all of that, you know, and um, I get the pressure to a degree of what she felt because all eyes are on you. So um, during this whole audition process, when I made it through to final auditions, we had like a week-long boot camp. And I just remember every day waking up and just having this heavy weight of anxiety. And I could not figure out what it was, but I do remember, uh, long story short, walking out of that arena one night, saying I'm not doing this and I felt like I was literally walking out on a dream and the dance manager came to me and was like what is going on out here we really like you in there please come back in and we'll talk about this later so I did but I could not shake that anxiety and the day of the final auditions she called me in. she asked how I was feeling and she needed to know if I wanted to be a part of this team And I said, I'm still trying to figure that out. And she said, just please let somebody know by 7 o'clock tonight what your decision is. So clearly, like, she's asking me, what do you want? Because we want you. But I couldn't, I just, I don't know what it was still to this day. I have peace with it now. But I ended up pulling myself from that competition. And I just remember the next day though, you know, you have the, the side effects of what did I just do? And I remember going and getting a book from target and it was, um, a book entitled 13 things mentally strong people don't do, or mentally strong people do. And I felt like, and I Googled self-sabotage also, because I felt like, yes, I had made a decision that I I think I was at peace with, but I also was like, what was this? And I think that that, was probably also one of the other bigger, bigger catalysts of my life too, was really diving into the fear of success, um, and anxiety, because I think a lot of people do struggle with that. And it's more prominent. Like people talk about that more these days, but that was back in 2015, 2016. And I came back to Tulsa shortly after, you know, staying in Miami for a bit and kind of just you know, doing some life, but I had to come back and, and really just start picking up life. And I took it in a completely different direction. And I went solely into personal training and fitness, um, where I really got to work with clients and it was really I would say a lot of me getting healed working through people and with people because you see how much other people struggle with things and then you start analyzing their situation and then you kind of take it and you reflect it on well do I struggle with these things too and I'm telling you man there's a lot of psychology that goes on with personal training and just training I mean in general you know yourself but yeah so i went through a couple certifications and one specifically was about my behavior change certification and that one was a lot about how to work with clients and get into their minds um so i even went through counseling too to kind of start helping me work through things that i was struggling with um i've read a lot of books to help me also figure out that, that whole episode.
0: Um. That's a, it's a big deal. I mean, I want to jump in on that because I think anybody that would listen that, especially if it's, if it's a female that has had similar wants or Mm -hmm. similar ambitions to do exactly what you did. kind of want to back up on that because you had two years with the thunder and after two years of doing something, I would imagine that regardless of how busy it is how intense it is and demanding it is you start to get into that groove and you start to understand the expectations oh you yeah get familiar with the hallways you get familiar with the faces right so you, your comfort zone starts to expand and it starts to get larger
1: mm-hmm. and
0: yeah. after two years you go you know what i'm going to change this shit up real quick right i'm going to go and make this huge move and i'm sure some people are going why why, why yeah you-? right like you got it set right from because look i know i mean i'm down here in houston i worked with a girl that was a houston rockets girl yeah And it's not like you're gonna be driving bugatti's you know from your own know, paycheck from being a you know no. t- a natural cheerleader there's just not a, a lot of money in that but it's not about that right but my point in that is saying to go from oklahoma to miami there's a big cost of living change right it's a whole new world of people for those out there that haven't been to oklahoma if you've been to miami you couldn't think of two Vastly different places, so that's a huge jump. And you kind of unpack that, and you know, I think the psychology behind that, to me, is honestly, Dominic, part of why I started navigating the intentional life because people like you, you make these changes, yeah, and and it just goes, you just do. And sometimes I feel like we don't even know why. I myself have been that way,
1: right? You know,
0: the things that I've done, but a lot of people will get hold, you know, held up on the analyzing part
1: yeah
0: they've got the what but they're more focused on the how mm-hmm. how is faith how yep. is always faith right our job is to figure out the what
1: yeah
0: if you're biblical it's god on the when and the how
1: yeah absolutely so, that's so good and so true so and i i didn't come
0: up with that i read that from a book called wild at heart and it's oh i
1: love that book john yeah. is that john eldridge john
0: Eldridge. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's very important to highlight that you made this big change. And guess what? For whatever reason, that dream that you had from probably the time that you were three feet tall until <laughs> now, whole six inches taller, um, you, <laughs> you're <checked laughs> it up. Right? And that's okay. I think some people don't understand that you can have a passion and after a certain amount of time, it can go away and you might have a different one.
1: Yeah, and
0: so I I say all that to say to kind of get back into the now you're looking at, you know, I would imagine with you, what I know about you is that you probably got to a point where you're going, how is what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. impacting? How is what I'm doing, providing a real meaning outside of me and my life? And that shift in the brain and in the heart probably started to be, how can I impact people around me? In a way that's going to help them more, so than they enjoy us dancing, they enjoy the entertainment. I've achieved this; that's great. But what's next? Yeah, right? and so when you start talking about the psychology, I know because I've you know I've followed you. You do dive deep into what you do. You take it very seriously, um, as far as the knowledge that you have, the work that you put into it, obviously shows the passion of it. Right.
1: I hope it translates well. Sometimes I'm like, i clearly articulating this, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I try to let people in on my world as much as possible, but try to also make it like question to them as well. Like, where are you at in your life? Does this, re- you know, you want to like, you want it to resonate with them and have them then in, in turn look within themselves too. And the best way
0: you do that is you're real, right? I don't see you as being somebody. If I thought you were somebody or anybody for that matter, that is, you know, back in the day we called them posers. Uh, like, yeah. You know, if, they, if they were just talking the talk but not walking the walk, why in the
1: hell? Yeah, right? absolutely.
0: Right? There's plenty of that out there, especially in the social media world. We'll get into that. We've already we've already discussed that. But you know, I want to get back into your. You move from you move from Miami. You walk away. Right. right? That's what it is. Like you walked away from it
1: yeah gosh
0: there's residual there's residual to that decision right and so you come back to oklahoma i know at some point you hit north carolina
1: Yeah. so
0: let's let's dive into it
1: yeah you know it's funny the journey that and you going back to the faith thing i truly feel like that is what i began to live on was like what am I feeling called to do in this moment at this time? I don't feel like God actually has ever had me set in a place for that long um, since college. I feel like every year and a half, two years, it's like some stirring starts to happen within me. And I think it's part of growth, should be honest. I think like faith challenges us and without being challenged, we don't grow, right? So I was here in Tulsa and I was, you know, personal training clients. I went from one place to another and I was so happy with that nice change. Again, talk about change, right? So I left one job that I was like comfortable in, but I felt the stirring like this is not sitting right with me anymore. I'm not, I'm waking up and I'm not, not feeling this. It's a very like the season is over. So I went to another um, spot here in Tulsa and began coaching. And after about six months began feeling that stirring again, but This is where it gets interesting, is I ended up in two weeks wrapping up that job and moving out to North Carolina where I have family. And that was a very quick, swift move. But I knew, and I knew within me, like I had to do this because I I needed to. So I went, and again, I'm still reading books. Well, I, I had this one book. It was called Emotionally, Spiritually like by Pete Zero or something like that. I I don't know, I have it on one of my bookshelves here, but I was reading this book and it was talking about how to be very in tune emotionally, mentally, and spiritually like with God. And it was a journey basically in North Carolina for me to get more in touch with myself. And so I wasn't doing any coaching. I was just serving at a restaurant. I was living with um, one of my aunts and my cousin. It was a really great downtime for myself. Well, I started to have this, uh, and even before I left Oklahoma, I was kind of like looking into, um, nursing, a little bit burnt out on the physical training aspect, kind of looking for that quote unquote security and secure paycheck and all that stuff, you know? Um, and so I started looking at nursing schools out in North Carolina, found out that it was going to cost a lot of money for me to begin this program here. And I remember sort of like what chance I had back in oklahoma to finish up pre and then get into nursing school because everything we're just like we have to be on a strict timeline in life right you're like i'm 28 years old i need to have a job by 30 be set you know all this stuff it's so not to cut you off but it's so
0: good and i just had this conversation the other night about the fact that we feel like we have to fit this certain cookie cutter mold. Yeah. And that when we start from early on, it's you go to school, you go to college, you get a job. And a lot of times that job is a is some form of a nine to five. Right. And nursing in of itself, I mean, I thought about that, right? Because you're just inundated from a young age that you've got to go to college. And if yeah. you're
1: But that was also if you think about the time of life, like life is so different than what the nine to five job was back then. Our world is so different and the opportunities that we have and just the way that people live their lives now is so different. Oh, yeah. So we're kind of in that, I feel like you and I are kind of in that uh, generation where we we've seen a lot of transition, you know, Um, and so where our parents were that generation that were like, you go to college, you get a job and you work it for 40 years until you retire. Like, that's not the that's not it anymore. not the norm no and so that was what I was trying to fall back in but I feel like even though you like try to do that there's always there can be like that pull in you or that knowing that like you're not made for that you're made for something else but you want to fight it right right so quickly flipped the script after seven weeks in North Carolina I came back to Oklahoma which was such a shameful feeling, to be honest, because it was like people knew that you were in North Carolina. I'm very like open on my social media share. Oh, I'm out here doing this thing, you know, and I was happy. People could tell I was happy out there, but Um, came back, enrolled in school and literally within a week of being back here was sitting in my biology class on like a Monday morning and I was like how in the heck was I just in North Carolina having the time of my life and here I am what did I just do I was literally so baffled by my own decision and I'm not kidding you I went through a lot of questioning but I can tell you that had I not done that I never would have gone to that other step of the journey of understanding that our minds really truly create our reality and everything that we tell ourselves that we choose to believe whatever narrative we want to create in our head will live out that reality. And I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza, but he he was a big um, teacher to me that summer, as well as Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's a cognitive neuroscientist, and she just talks all about the brain and how you're able to rewire your brain. And between them two... All I had that summer was a biology course and a psychology course. And I didn't hang out with other people because I was so focused on school. But I did a lot of like reading and listening to podcasts about the mind. And I remember when it just clicked one day that like all the issues and the struggling that you've been having about your own self comes from the way that you are thinking about yourself and your life. Like it was a it was a beautiful wake up. I remember feeling like I had found the key to life. <laughs> like yeah. I truly was just like, oh my God. And I, I mean, it really changed me so much to understand that like you can pretty much believe anything you want to believe, good or bad, and that's gonna create your world. And I mean, it, I mean, even right now, we're living in a very wild time in life and you can choose to focus on lots of the negative and listen to the voices, or you can choose to think on The truth of like who god is and how you know you are destined for a time like this and there are people that need what you have i mean you can think on whatever you want and you can bring your gifts to the table or you can not right and so i think that summer was probably and really truly the rest of that whole year was a groundbreaking moment in my life not to say like by any means perfected it because we're human and the mind is like a muscle you have to keep it sharp every single day and if you if you don't and you don't keep yourself stirred up you can fall back into negative ways of thinking Um, but the more you focus and the more you grow and you do that work just like if you're in the gym building muscle the more you put time and effort into something this the better your your mind works and the more resilient you become in the way that you think um and then in turn the way that you live right yeah so i mean that summer it was life-changing and the in the toughest of things but again i think that there's always been something in me and i again credit my mom and my parents for being such supportive people i mean i had to come back and live with them and they they supported me through whatever I did there um even on my darkest darkest days I mean because it was very disappointing to feel like you're back at square one trying to go back to school and I didn't even end up making it into nursing school I felt like that was the wrong road for me so I went through a whole other thing um but again sometimes that that um I feel like you've probably heard this before like Sometimes you take a path and you think you're going somewhere on that path. But then it's like, no, I was just, God was like, I just want you to take this path so I can show you something about yourself. But really we're going to take this this way,
0: or I'm going to
1: to work and heal something within you by going down this path. But where you think you're going with it, that's not actually what's going to happen
0: without a doubt. And there's something that I wanted to go back to. And when you start talking about how you work your own mind, it is a muscle for sure that you have -hmm. to work out and and you have to flex it as well. And one of the smartest guys that I know that I grew up with, his name's Caleb Steele. He told me one day, he said, Justin, you know, you teach people how to treat you. Yes. And that has stuck with me. I think I was probably in my early, early twenties when he said that. And so for an early 20 year old male, especially to say something that profound, it's it's stuck with me and and i took it a step further that kind of bleeds into what you're talking about and that one you have to think about what you are you Mm -hmm. have to know who you are and that that starts with the foundation of whether it's faith whether it's you know you you had a certain style of upbringing but whatever that is whatever that x factor is it starts there and then you start to display that right and that's the teaching part and you know the, the roads that you take, I, I think about the fact that we hear growing up, you know, the uh the path of righteousness is the path of righteousness, right? Where it's it's straight and narrow,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, it's not it's not straight in the sense of the actual logistical path, right? right? It is going to be it's going to be you have to be disciplined, you have to be on it and defined in where you're going. Yeah. You always know but it is going to take little jaunts here and there that you're not going to expect. And again, that comes back to the, what God has the, how, or, you know, whether it's the university, you know, whatever you guys want to call it, whether you're religious or not, the how is, is kind of left to that. Yeah. Um, so in what you send me, I can tell just, you know, obviously people want, uh, listening to this can't see us, can't see you. And I can tell right. from this time frame in your life, it is very emotional. I mean, I can see it on your face that you're going back to those moments.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and that's something that for this podcast, again, we we talk a lot about guys, right? We talk a lot about men being men and what that looks like. And what I'm segueing on that is this, Dominic. A, a, a lot of guys get it wrong because they're afraid to be a provider. They can't have a woman that would go out and take the paths that you've taken because it is very strong it is very independent and for some guys that's that's very that's very scary because it it gets in the way of their feelings of being a provider right being the man of the household and if you're biblical we start to, we talked about this the other day submissive to mm-hmm. supportive and the difference we get the s words wrong but, <laughs> you know it's it's very intriguing and something that i want the other guys here is like look we all have this same journey and we only really get to do it one time. We get to live every day, but you know, you're taking a path that's been difficult, right? And you had to go through it to get to where you're at now. So before you got there, you go through this challenge and I know you got your, you know, your behavioral certification and I'll just go ahead and give it a plug. You know, the behavior change queen.
1: (laughs) That's where my name stemmed from.
0: That's where my name came from. And I was looking at the notes and I was like, I love that. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's a very, because I've always wondered, right? When I saw, I was like, hey, you're a change queen. Like, that's it's a big I title, right?
1: That. Yeah.
0: You're, you're not like princess, you're queen.
1: Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, right? I'm oh I gotta live up but, to that. <laughs> <laughs> but before you got to well,
0: hey, you're showing people how to treat you. So, you know, before that's you got true. to that, you also did a stint. I don't know if you're still doing it, but uh Arbonne, right? You got yes. him yes. know you, uh, I know you love that. A lot of excitement there. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was such a, during the time that I was back here in Oklahoma, trying to then, once I decided, well, I didn't get into nursing school, but I was also like, okay, well, I I didn't want it. It was still like a little bit of of a letdown because you're like, okay, well, what do I do now? I had to go back to a serving job that I had had for years. like, And that is, it was kind of, um, again, another moment of kind of shame because it was like, you had left, you were in personal training, you were doing these things and then you go off to North Carolina and then you come back and you're asking for your job back. And I just, it, honest, I love serving. I still do a little bit of it here and there. Uh, but honestly, it was just in that moment of time, I was like, I can't believe that I'm circling back around to the same thing that I've done. Like, what the heck? So anyways, I prayed for a lot of opportunity and I feel or opportunity or something to come up and i feel like god was shifting a lot of things i mean all, all everything from the friends that i had it was like he was taking things away and then bringing me into something new and so um one day when i was working i had this girl come up and she just was so vivacious and just lively and she presented this idea of arbon to me it took me about 3 months to come around to it but Honestly it's so cool because that girl was a friend for 3 months, a friend that I had been looking for, somebody that really did sharpen me. We were together on how to, you know, sharpening each other's minds. We both loved working out together. It was honestly just that alone was such an answer to prayer. Um I'm telling you, there was there was depression that was going on in my life and that was like the first burst of like Sun that I had had in a while, right. and so then you know she was. I was watching her journey with Arbonne, and I was like, this girl is just on it. She's doing her thing. Like she's so confident that I I put a date on it. I had some stuff that I was trying to work my way out of, like some debt and stuff. And I was like, as soon as I get all this debt paid off, I'm gonna decide to just go into this business. And once that thing happened, I jumped into Arbonne. And long story short, the one thing that I just really love about it is how much. Um, personal development. These, a lot of these, you know, um, network marketing businesses have. Like, you have to become a believer in whatever it is that you're doing or promoting. And I think that that was probably one of the biggest things I took from doing Arbonne. I love the company. I loved the product. There's nothing to bash about them at all. Um, I would say some people just it clicks with them and it stays with them. And I think that my time with it ran out. I got what I needed. And I'm so grateful for it. It totally, I mean, again, one of those things that I share openly on social media, people knew I did it. They saw, especially those close to me who knew me outside of social media, um, saw how happy I was doing it. And it made them happy, you know? So I was super thankful that God brought that into my life. And I decided to say uh, yes to something that I had honestly said no to even for years. Like people had tried to get me in on that, you know? We poo poo those things sometimes, but honestly, uh, it was it was a nece- necessary like component to learning how to lead, learning how to be intentional with yourself and accountable to yourself and to others, uh, and just so many things. Honestly, like it's, I commend those people to network marketing because it's a lot wow. of work. No. Yeah,
0: it's ironic. I was sitting here, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to your story. I'm looking over what I know, and and, you know, you have been in the business of selling yourself for a long time, right? <laughs> from from being a cheerleader, you're selling yourself, right. right? From there, going out, you know, and obviously the the path in North Carolina had so many different things that they showed you and opened up, right? Yeah. Behavioral change certification, obviously. You have more things to, to share on here that i'm excited to get to but that was a huge part of you starting to redefine what your life looks like after getting rid of something that you identified with
1: right most yeah. of
0: your life and right. i can think of as, a, as a former athlete that tried to do it at the level that i could get paid
1: i mm-hmm.
0: had that realization i wasn't good enough yeah um, Never was. And what's next? What do I now do? And there is that process of search, right? And so, you know, you get from there to Arbon. I mean, that is a hundred percent. You've got to sell yourself first to even be able to talk about the products, right? Right. But I think that's it's all when you start to look at this and kind of unpack where you're going and start to put it into that funnel to where you are now. It was all leading to a certain point, right? Because you took what you needed from Arbon. And now the part that I know that you, I mean, I know, <laughs> super proud of, I want to know about your fitness. Um, you got so much good stuff online and it's open to, it's open to everybody. I mean, I take a little bit from it. It's not just specifically geared to women. It's geared to everyone.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so tell me about that. Dom. Like tell me-
1: Yeah. So, I think that honestly, again, everything is like a building block. If you will take the tiny step, it seems so big at the moment you know like it's scary but everything that we do in our life is by faith if you you know what i mean in a sense like and so i really do believe that Arbon was the reason why i felt so good this past year leaving my full-time job to go into back into training coaching and everything fitness Uh, But with that being said, like a large part of it has been still marketing my own self and I don't have the business plan all laid out like I would love to have. But again, everything comes in steps. Right. So Mm -hmm. but the point is, is like, I still to this day have to there's still like a learn as you go, but like building of who I am, sharing who I am, coaching other people um and that's that's what i'm doing essentially all health fitness macro coaching personal training my favorite really is like coaching fitness classes um i've been diving into and have gotten the opportunity to do some crossfit coaching which is so cool because years ago i began kind of a little journey on that and it i just i love i love being around athletes i love being around people who no matter what age 16 to 50 50 plus like they're in there and they are lifting weights and they are challenging themselves like that's one of my favorite things is seeing people who don't stop no matter what age you know i love seeing people come in with no idea what to do and i get to work one-on-one with them and help them to understand their body better you know or with like the macro nutrition coaching helping them to figure out the best lifestyle for them. How to structure their day. How to incorporate in um, an, a regimen of eating and working out that's going to make them feel better day to day. You know, um, I mean, I don't work with just you know one specific type of client. I pretty much will work with anyone. It's mainly women, but um, I really enjoy helping women like find who they are um the personal inner transformation i really i'm a cheerleader at heart so i want people to feel celebrated and good about themselves even if it's like the tiny little like just a tiny accomplishment you know every little bit counts having them feel like they see like if i can see them um like a moment that something clicks with them I feel like i've done my job you know what i mean like just setting them on a better trajectory in their life um so working with clients and one-on-one and coaching people is definitely it's hard work but it's very fulfilling too
0: absolutely i i think i told you this way back in the day um about 2010 somewhere between 2010 and 2012 got really into crossfit i love it when people bring up crossfit because there's so much stuff out there um, yeah it, and it and unfortunately nowadays I see a lot of negative yeah um, everything has its its pros and cons right right I love CrossFit um, got my cert one and then nice. and, you know I'm an old man'm um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm competitive and so I was that that person that that gave CrossFit a bad name right because yeah been, yeah I would do too much. I would get too competitive, you know. And and it is what it is. My mom and my stepdad actually do CrossFit four to five days a week, that's and so they've cool. been doing so since twenty twelve. That said, that's amazing. I I think it's it's really interesting because you've brought it up several times, kind of in passing, about the way things are nowadays. We live yeah. in many times you you know you've said that yourself. As a woman that's strong, independent, and a woman based in faith, very much. Yeah, when you start talking about the the i don't want to say gender roles that's a hot button word but,
1: um well there's really think- no like role but yet at the same time i feel like there is uh there's a place for a right place i feel like for men and a right place for women but yet we can fulfill multiple roles but like what god created you to be like i feel like i'm just so much more finding that and that maybe you have something specific that you want to say. Um, but being, like you've said, like a very independent woman, I was just having a conversation with my friend the other day about how I feel like I've been praying a lot about the right partner, the right relationship to be in. And I can see how the woman was created to be something for the man. And the man was created to be something for the woman. And there is honestly a big part of me that is just ready to have Part of that masculine energy that I've taken on to be independent, strong, provide for myself, blah blah la, I'm like, I'm ready to have a partnership where I don't feel like I have to do all of it. Right. You know, and I feel like there are men that are out there that are like, they would love for, you know, a woman to cook them a meal. That is not wrong. That is not wrong. Like, no. there are women that want to do that, make a home a home. You know. So I don't know if that was like what you were saying. Yeah. No, no. I mean,
0: that's that's absolutely perfect because there, there's a lot of different ideologies out there right now that yeah, again, it, it spurns me to, to do things like this. What I write about is what we talk about is like, you know, as far as toxic masculinity Yeah, um, and I think to hit on what you just said and not to, to step all over it, but if for a guy, if i said, you know, I want, I would love my spouse to cook. Like if I came home and, and she had dinner ready, fantastic. Yeah. In some ways, that's viewed as toxic masculinity. That's you know maybe a poor, weaker example, but I think everybody gets where I'm going with that because who the hell doesn't want to come home to food? Like, <laughs> I, if, would, if, I if, would. I would love to like, If my if my 14 year old made me food by the time I got home.
1: Yeah.
0: Toxic masculinity. I was like, you're damn right, son. Good job. You're like, no, it, it's it's great. It's sweet.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: That, that interdependence is something that is mixed with codependence too often. Yeah, and all yeah. these ideologies about feminism, feminism, and what that looks like. I mean, for me myself, I mean, I sit back and go when I think of somebody like that, I think Karen, I think a woman with armpit hair. Like it's, it's just you know, it's very skewed. And so when I when I talk to somebody like you, I think, you know, exactly what you said. You know, when you look at what does the role look like in today's society with a man and a woman that is is charting her own way. First off, I want that story to be out there. Cause I think, I think more women should take that step, but do it in a healthy way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden now you're wearing the, the, the metaphorical pants, yeah. right? You're just going after your life.
1: I think it's so interesting to even think about like what the, you know, this, the role of a women, what they've done in society. I don't think they've ever had it just like, they're not doing work. Right. They're just not doing the type of work maybe that men did back then but we did labor i mean we did tons of labor like even if it was at the house like i mean unless you're like the wealthiest of the wealthy you don't lift a finger and you have servants or something like that but like i don't know i know this is like segwaying into something different but like women have always i feel like i mean do you want to be at home with your children all the time women i mean that's exhausting women do work <laughs> Whether it's, you know, to provide the money or to hold it down at the home, like it's a very, it's not an easy role.
0: No. And I think that's where we come back to. I said earlier there's a confusion in the S words, right? Yeah. And submissive and what that looks like. There are a lot of guys out there in my circle that I don't know if you've if you've followed any of them, but they do talk, we do talk on that role. What is the role within the household? Well, we talk mm-hmm. about guys are supposed to lead. Yeah. We are supposed to be the leaders of our home. Yeah. That said, if you don't understand that when you work in a team, sometimes the captain is the damn captain, period.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
0: sometimes The captain needs help. Sometimes the captain is not that and somebody else has to step up and they lead for a bit. Right. Right. So it's this give and take. And I personally feel like that is what, we confuse There's support. And then there's submission, which is a totally different thing from a biblical standpoint. We can argue that however we want, but support is a totally different word. And that's what I look for. I think that's what anybody in a healthy relationship is going to understand. Right. Define those roles. Kind of what you're talking about is, you know, do I stay at home with the kids if that's our choice? Okay. Can we afford to do that in today's time? You better make a damn good living Mm -hmm. or or live in a very cheap place. right? Right. But if you define that, fantastic that's not masculine you know toxic masculinity that is two people understanding what they need to do to create their lives right right? and you know i've always found it interesting in that when it comes from somebody you know when you look at a defined role you said you're looking and praying for that partner Mm -hmm. you know it's like what in this day and age do you see specifically like you know, I guess I'm getting, I don't know if this is personal, but like, no, no woman wants some super effeminate man,
1: mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. You don't want to
0: come home all the time and and somebody be crying in your arms because somebody at work said something <laughs> that offended them, right? It's right, like, right, right. So
1: no. I'm the sensitive one. I'm sorry
0: yeah and that's and i'm not gonna say that's the way it's supposed no. to genetically we are made differently that is science right that's yes. the difference between estrogen and testosterone yes there's nothing wrong with that right well if you start trying because your body is genetically made to to be a little bit more emotional
1: mm-hmm.
0: fuck it so be it that's the way it is yeah yeah and
1: i it's, mean it's still good for like a man to I think it's really great for men to be able to show emotion. Um, I I think it really is important for a man to feel comfortable to show emotion. And I have a friend that kind of talks about, he works with a lot of men too, that maybe were never shown affection by their, their own dad. So, which is a very important thing for a man to be able to have that connection with his dad because it affects the relationship that he then has with whether it's his spouse or his children or anything like that, you know? Um, so men being in touch with their emotions is very real, you know, Yeah, and being able to share that with their partner too, you know, so there's there's no shame in any of that, you know, for
0: sure. Well, I will say I definitely have enjoyed being able to have you on the podcast today.
1: Yes. I
0: really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to sit down.
1: Oh um, so good. Um, i I love processing everything. I, I know we gotta cut it, but it's been a joy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Unfortunately I've got a hard stop at eleven thirty and, and uh, you know, I'll be honest, this part of the conversation was something I was really interested to to hear your thoughts on. Um, this part
1: is, uh, right here, this
0: one. Yeah. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away from anything else because I love that part of your story.
1: Bloom, I just have to come back to maybe just solely this then. Uh, I
0: don't absolutely. know. Absolutely. That said, I don't want to walk away from this without people being able to um, know how to find you. Yes. And I want you to be able to kind of give people that are listening what's next in your world because I know you've got some big things coming up. Don't share. Can't share, but just let my people know how to find you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The best way that. to find me is going to be on Instagram at Behavior Change Queen. Um, you can always message me uh, directly. I try to check my messages consistently. So, uh, if you want to shoot me a message and get in touch, that's that's more than likely going to be the best best way. I mean, you could email me, but Instagram is perfect
0: awesome and then you are also working out of Midtown Athletics. Oh, yes.
1: Midtown Athletics is one of the gyms that I coach at uh, it's incredible the community there I've been coaching there for almost a year now but been working out there for close to a year and a half now so phenomenal and classes
0: do they uh, do they have an Instagram page
1: they do Midtown Athletics Tulsa I think is what it is um let me see here really quick one second terrible that I don't know that. Right. Uh, Yep. Midtown athletics, Tulsa.
0: Perfect. Well, look, Dominic, again, so honored to have you on. Uh, You have been my first female guest, so I've I've absolutely enjoyed it. Um, We'll bring you back again, for sure. Yeah. For those of you listening again, behavior change queen on Instagram. Uh, I am Justin Copeland. This has been navigating the intentional life You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and just about any other uh, podcast platform. Dominic will be coming out soon, so check my page, Justin uh, Copeland underscore, for Instagram. We've also got the new and um, being worked at navigating the Intentional Life Instagram page. More to come there, so you can find me there. Other than that, guys, put it to it. Stay focused. Figure out your what. And God will find the how. I'm Justin yeah. Hope. And this has been Navigating the Intentional Life. Dominic, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, about. Justin. What a pleasure. Thank you so uh, much. Bye-bye.
0: Bye bye.
1: Bye.